Hi, Noah. How are you? Hey, Robin. How's it going? Good morning. Good morning. You just before I turned the camera on, you showed me your injury to your uh, left hand. Uh, is, yeah. it, is it? Has that affected? Uh, what What does that do to you as a musician? Is it because you need your kind of hands, you need your limbs, and, and especially as a, a piano or keyboard player. Mm-hmm. Whenever an injury like that occurs, what goes through your mind? Well, I cut my finger trying to um, separate two glasses. But uh, the first thing that went through my head was, I hope I didn't cut my finger off because that'll that'll be a real drag. Um, I, there was so much blood on my hand that I couldn't really see what had happened. It was just all red, you know? Mm. Um, so after about 15 seconds of just kind of like staring at it in shock, I ran it under the water and then the water sort of washed away everything. And I could see that I still had all my digits, you know? So I was a bit calmer after that, but there was definitely sort of a moment of panic, you know? Um, but we're adaptable beings. I, I assume I would have figured something out. Um, it's nice that we have technology these days that music can be made without, um, you know, any sort of, all I need is a mouse and a keyboard and I could probably do it with one hand. I think, (laughs) um, it might be a little more clumsy, but sometimes that can produce cool results. Well, that's interesting because one of the things I I wanted to get into is kind of the, the way in which music is made and especially amongst uh, the collective. So, Before we get into how how this whole process uh, went uh, for this uh, new record, what are your memories of of the summer of 2000, uh, in which I believe that was the first time that the four of you kind of got together and figured out uh, kind of collectively to make music? So what are your memories of that time? Yeah, Um, we had all, I mean, maybe the four or five years before that, we'd known each other not super well some of us um dave and i and brian and i had played kind of here and there but um didn't know each other personally super well at that point 2000 was uh three of us were in new york for a variety of reasons and uh we used to go over dave's apartment all the time like every day and uh we would just record with these mini disc players We had this little uh, Sony microphone that in retrospect had a really nice kind of room sound to it. And we just made recording so many recordings, uh, a lot of improvisation, but sometimes we kind of like, especially Dave would break into like songy moments um, and doing a lot of improvisation. Wasn't um, something we'd done a ton of before that. Um, and I feel like the, the sort of spirit of those days kind of was the, you might say sort of the springboard for everything that's happened kind of since then. I feel like that was sort of like, I guess, like laying the groundwork for kind of where, where we're at now in in a way. Although it also kind of feels like we've gone in circles, like there's been sort of cycles to things and kind of feels like we've come all the way around in recent times well one thing i suppose that happens whenever a worldwide pandemic hits is that it causes a lot of people to reflect so was that the same for uh you as a group 
that you kind of look back a little bit at, at what you've done and how you wanted to uh, proceed towards the future? Uh, I wouldn't say in any sort of explicit way. Like, mm -hmm. I don't remember having any conversations about the history of the group or anything like that. But, um, I mean, something like this, I feel like, shows you the pressure points in society and culture, sort of these breaking points. Uh, it exacerbates so many of the problems that already existed, you know. So, um, I, I suppose in a way. But uh, again, not not in any kind of way that it's easy to talk about. And in terms of the creative process and the approach that you have, we talked about when it first when the groundwork was laid in 2000. And if you compare that to the way you approach it now, and you mentioned the technology earlier, the things that are possible now, mm -hmm. has that been a big shift over time? The way you operate, in terms of technology. Well, both in, in terms of what you want to get out of your art, but also in terms of how you kind of uh, realize what you're making. I, it's kind of a maybe a cop-out answer, but I feel like it has it's changed everything and it's changed nothing in a way. I mean, I feel like so much of the kind of galaxy of creativity that surrounds sort of the foundational piece has changed, but the foundational piece itself has remained exactly the same. Um, insofar as I feel like the reason I, I don't want to speak for the other guys, but for myself, the reason that I make stuff is just kind of to take me from one day to the next. It's just sort of a way of, uh, one of the best ways I found of kind of staying happy and upbeat and, uh, you know, keeping the ball rolling. Uh, and, uh, if other people kind of, if it brings some light to somebody else's life, that's really great uh but it's kind of icing on the cake in a way right in that sense and then this goes into kind of a little bit of the themes of the the new record then but but are you somebody who really tries to live in the moment i think so i hope so um it's easy especially these days uh to get kind of lost or swept away with with stuff but uh yeah i try try to be uh mindful aware and what is your creative um i don't know if goal is the right word but you mentioned kind of keeping the ball rolling what exactly do you mean by that well what is what do you get out of your creative creative sorry creativity yourself mm -hmm. uh again i mean it's maybe kind of a boring answer but uh it just sort of keep, keeps things going. Um, I don't feel like I, it's sort of like a, like fish have to keep swimming. I guess it's a little bit like that. I feel like I'm, I'm always kind of looking for something, but never fully, I'm always traveling towards something, but never fully arriving there. If that makes sense. Is it, is your, approach to songwriting and, and writing music is, is it very instinctual then or is it very conscious it's it's hopefully a marriage of the two things i mean i feel like there's a side to it that's kind of totally removed from thought or any sort of process of thought uh but then perhaps sort of the the genesis of the of a song will be more in that zone 
And then all the editing and sort of crafting of the thing after that, it moves to a kind of different world where it's all kind of mental and considered and, and thought out. Um, so hopefully it's, it's kind of like a, a balance of those two things. Um, but overall, I just, I hope the music is just sort of, a some kind of reflection or a mirror of who we are and kind of what we're going through. Um, and I, I think I can speak for all of us when I say we just want it to be true uh, and kind of like real in some sense, at least for us. With that in mind, what was the starting point for what ended up being time skips? Was there for you a sort of, sort of uh, a key time or a key period where, where a lot of that came together, the, 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 the kind of the initial ideas? Yeah, um, it started with the other three guys, actually. I wasn't really a part of it. I think I was doing Bowie's stuff, maybe touring or something. But uh, they had agreed to do a show at this place called The Music Box in New Orleans. I think this is maybe early 2018, maybe even before that. I'm a little bit foggy on the on the dates. but So they had written a whole set of music for that show. It was going to be a, The Music Box is this kind of outdoor space where there's a bunch of structures around it that are all kind of music instruments themselves. Like the, the, the buildings have these kind of elements that you can kind of play in a way. Um, so there was, I think they were thinking of it as this really like collaborative uh, and they worked with a, a bunch of local musicians down there um, as well. So it was this really kind of collaborative outdoor experiential thing. Um, and a, a Not all of those songs, as far as I can remember, made it all the way to the end, but a lot of the songs ended up on time skips. And I feel like that that event especially sort of set the tone for what time skips eventually became. Like it was all sort of like a everything after was sort of an iteration of that event or like trying to explore that sort of aesthetic or that that kind of um, that feeling there. Um, and then maybe the second big moment was in uh, 2019 summer, end of the summer. Uh, we got together. We rented a, a house outside of Nashville and spent three weeks uh, really bringing like a whole bunch of songs to the table and trying to kind of see what worked and what didn't. And uh, then there was another session just before the pandemic wave kind of crashed on the U.S. in uh, January of 2020. And we were about to record, like we were um, scheduling studios in for March of 2020, and then kind of everything, everything stopped. Um, so then it was like, are we going to be able to do this thing? If we are, how are we going to do it? Um, and we kind of felt like there was, we had maybe two albums worth of material, like we had a lot of songs, and uh, we felt like there was a, a handful of songs that really relied on the more kind of performative aspects of us being in a room together and just kind of feeling where the other guys were going. But there were songs that were more kind of rigid structurally and like the tempo um, was more consistent and we felt like maybe we could pull those off remote. So that's, that's eventually what we did. Right. A couple of things then, um, that initial moment of, of either of you uh, sharing a song idea w with, with the group, 
what is that like? Has it become so natural that, that you don't even think about it? Or is there still a bit of anxiety or when you show these ideas? or? Is real music dying? What even is real music and who are we to judge that? Well, my father is a lifelong musician and together we've been making music for over a decade. In our new podcast, we dare to ask the urgent, the weird and the deep questions. And we have a lot of wild stories to tell. No matter what genres you enjoy, whether you're a musician, a producer or a listener, we invite you to discover unconventional perspectives on music. So tune in and go follow Mad Makings of Music wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, I can't speak for the rest of the guys. I'd, I'd wager that you'd get a range of responses to that question. But for me, it's, uh, there's no anxiety whatsoever. Um, to the point where if I, I think I shared maybe like 30 some songs and, uh, I hope that there'd be a couple that would resonate with them. But even if they were like, I don't, I don't get it. Um, I, I perhaps I'd be, I feel kind of bad, but I I just make those songs into something else. Like I used to feel like I had to kind of know where this, if I was writing a song, where it was going to go, whether it would be my own thing or if it was going to be a band song, but I don't know if I've just sort of grown out of that or we've just had enough experience working with each other's songs that I feel like I, it doesn't really matter so much anymore. I can just kind of write something and, Maybe it'll it'll grow into something with the group, but maybe it won't. And uh, either way, uh, I think we all just try to do what, what's best for the song. Ultimately, like you try to remove your yourself from the equation and your ego, even though it's difficult sometimes. And uh, just try to work in service of the song. So whatever is working for the song is what you what you try to do. And I suppose as you mentioned, it helps that you all are very independent artists as well, that, that you can always use it for your own uh, albums or your own projects. So, so that it's not like a, an idea is shut down and then it, it stops existing. Yeah, um, it's not like a full rejection if, if it doesn't work with the group. And there's been a lot of songs like that where it just didn't. I mean, like I said, I had maybe 30 some demos mm -hmm. and I think we chose like three. So this is a little bit unfair, but which uh, was the favorite of the three? The favorite of the three? Well, the Prester, the first half of Prester John was mm -hmm. somebody had a response to that. So we worked on that. There was actually a, a couple other ones that the other guys liked, but um, we just did, we couldn't figure them out really. Um, and sometimes that happens. Uh, usually what that means is we'll reapproach it at another time, but I feel like we had so many songs this time that maybe that won't happen, but we'll see. Well, that's a, that's an interesting thought because having ideas is one thing, but then figuring out uh, collectively how to, as you mentioned, stay in service of the song and make it some into something that you, that you're happy with. Is that yeah. an arduous process? Is that something that over the years you've come, uh, have become very comfortable with, or is it, is it a very difficult process? You, you kind of never know. There are times where everything goes really smoothly and the thing uh, gets 
really fully realized really quickly without much work or uh, without a whole lot of discussion or or uh, back and forth. And other times, I mean, a song like Strong With Everything went through a bunch of different versions and uh, there was maybe three or four different drum beats, especially for the front half. The back half happened like that, but the front half was really, took a long time to kind of sort it out, especially in terms of the arrangements and like what everybody was going to play and what parts they were going to play. And was it too busy? Was it not busy enough? Like some, sometimes songs can be really kind of tricky to get, sort of the balance, uh, right. The musical landscape then, for instance, with Strong With Everything, what I, I hear in the intro is uh, the first half of the song is our horns, our sitars, uh, I think. <laughs> so so, so what, how do you, as you mentioned, figure out, okay, now there's enough in it, or this this works together instead of just, just throwing everything in there and, and be, it being muddled in a way. Yeah, it's a lot of trial and error. Um, it's kind of like cooking in a way, like you just it just tastes good when it's right, you know? And that's sort of how I feel about arrangements for songs. Like it's hard to say why it feels good, but you know that it it feels better than it was before. And that's just sort of the these kind of incremental steps of like, well, what if we, you know, what if you didn't play in this moment? Or what if you switch to like something busier in this this part? Um, yeah, it's a lot of uh, trial and error if, if things aren't working, but, uh, sometimes it's just like serendipitous accidents or moments. It's, I think it's important to be, uh, to really be paying attention because, um, you, you want to notice when those, those things happen. And sometimes, uh, it's difficult to do so, I guess. Especially if you're working on something for a really long time and things aren't working, you get frustrated. It can be, you start to lose perspective, you know? So sometimes you just gotta, you just gotta agree to drop the thing and reapproach it at another time. But it's rare that it gets to that point with us. Is, is that true then for the textures and, and the, the sound choices as well? Uh, for instance, I heard a uh, marimba, I think it was Walker, uh, Mm-hmm. There, there are all these, these um, yeah, interesting choices that you make. And is that the result of just just the mindset for that particular week that you're working on it, or, or how the, is that trial and error as well? Just finding the right sounds or finding uh, the right textures. Yeah, it's a bit trial and error, but it's also um, just sort of a reflection of what, what kind of sounds and tones we're into at the time. Maybe mm-hmm. you you. Uh, heard it on a, a record you just got some kind of sound it would be like oh it'd be cool to do that sort of chromatic percussion kind of thing or a film or it, it can come from anywhere even just hearing a weird sound out in the woods or something like that you know um yeah there's no there's no kind of consistent source for it but uh yeah if you're just paying attention hopefully stuff kind of uh inspires you Let's get to Presser John then, because I find it interesting. From what I've read, uh, and then you mentioned a little bit just now, that those were two song ideas that kind of uh, melded, were melded together in some way. Yeah. Um, thematically, and, and those kind of, uh, do you discuss amongst the four of you thematically what 
direction a song or, or, or an album will take and, and how do you kind of get on the same page in terms of, of what you're writing? I mean, musically, there's a lot of conversation about how things are going to fit together and what sort of the, the, the pillars aesthetically of the thing are going to be. But lyrically, there's almost zero discussion. Um, it's really rare that we'll talk to each other about. Occasionally, I feel like one of us will be like, that's a cool line. Like, what, what are you thinking there? But we're actually uh, surprisingly guarded about lyrics. Like, we don't, it's not something we discuss very often. We kind of, I guess it's like sort of a sacred space for us in a way. Um, having said that, I feel like part of the reason we wanted to, link the, the two parts of Presser John was it did seem like there was some kind of lyrical synergy to the two things, or there was a way I could make the two things fit together in my mind. E even though both songs lyrically are pretty vague, like the sort of, uh, certainly my half of the song is kind of cryptic in a way. So um, I guess that makes it easier to do that sort of thing um, to join pieces mm -hmm. together when uh, the, the meaning of the thing is so kind of opaque. Um, but yeah, it, uh, musically, I feel like it rarely works to just shove two things together, but I think we were perhaps rehearsing for a show or something like that. And we'll often play one song right up against the next, like try to go from one song and into the next without really stopping the sound. And uh, I feel like my memory is that we, we put those two songs together and it just felt really good to go from one to the next, but it, it's rare that it works that way. For your half of the, of the lyrics and what, what was the inspiration? Because I, I did have to Google uh, Presley John and kind of figured out it's a, a 20, 12th century uh, mythical figure that, that yeah. most likely did, <laughs> didn't exist. Um, so, so what, what was the motivation from your perspective uh, for the song? And uh, as you mentioned just now, you, you don't, as a band, you are a bit guarded uh, about lyrics. So, so if I'm prying too deep, just let me know. Uh, it's okay. Uh, yeah, I remember reading about Prester John, and I've now I've totally forgotten his whole thing. But uh, <laughs> I remember at the time being like, I can, I can connect the dots here. For me, the front half of the song was inspired mostly by a feeling and just trying to kind of capture that feeling in a song. Um, it, it's I wouldn't say it's a climate change song, but it was the genesis of it was after I think it was the first climate change report came out. Um, and just sort of this sense of like thinking about people kind of traveling down roads that ultimately aren't really so beneficial um, or aren't so healthy. Um, and there was just kind of like a profound sadness that I had in that moment that I felt like could be a good place to start a song. Not, and it was, it wasn't like uh, super defined for me. Um, I didn't want to write some kind of heavy handed climate change thing, but It was it was definitely inspired by mostly by the feeling that I had and trying to describe describe that um, and hopefully like reflect that that feeling in some kind of genuine way. 
There was a line in that song, treat every day as an image of a moment that has passed. Um, yeah. that, I f- wish I found a very interesting line. Where did that come from? Uh, that was one of those things that just sort of came into my head, just sort of popped into my head while the song was playing. Um, I think it was the very last thing I wrote for the song. But uh, yeah, just sort of this um, this kind of weird uh, device of time and thinking about time kind of doubling back on itself, uh, I just thought was sort of a, a funny little thing. You mentioned uh, a sense of sadness uh, around this song in terms of climate change. And there's a line in Karki's, did you ever meet your dark uh, dark side? So well, this period of, of especially writing those lyrics, what kind of mindset were you in? That Karki's, the, the, the have you ever met your dark side is actually a Dave. That's one of oh, Dave's okay. contributions to that song. But uh so I, I don't even know like what his uh, kind of what his piece of that song is or like how he's thinking of what he's singing in relation to what I'm singing. It's sort of like in we did a song called Taste where there's two like totally separate narratives that each of us are singing. But again, I feel like we I can find common ground or there's some sort of like greater whole in terms of the meaning of the song to me. Um but car keys, I feel like, is a is a type of song that I've done in a variety of ways since maybe like 2014 or so. Um, really thinking about sort of the the machine of a person and sort of what what make what makes us do things, especially like the uglier stuff that we do, like where that comes from. Thinking about that and trying to describe. Um, that kind of stuff. I feel like I've written a lot of songs. So car keys and like this sort of idea of driving the machine of yourself uh, in terms of instincts and stuff like that is really kind of what the song's about. Am I right in saying that you've performed all of the songs on the record live already in some fashion? I think all of them except for a strung with everything. I think that was the only one that we hadn't played live yet. Because uh, I saw you have some dates in March and then you're looking to come to Europe uh, in the fall. Mm-hmm. So the translation process from being in the studio and being able to tinker and, and experiment as much as you want and then having to translate whatever you come up with to the live stage, uh, has it already begun to some extent? And, and is that a tricky process in terms of the, the, the textures, as I mentioned? Yeah, uh, it's it's kind of the only process we've ever known, like uh, writing songs and then it's a bit backwards, but touring with them. And then the record is sort of the end of that process. Okay. Um, although to me, a song, never a song's kind of alive. It's never like totally finished. There's always kind of room for it to grow into something else in the future. Um But yeah, I feel like the cycle has slowed down a little bit for us now that we're all kind of apart and um, we don't get together as often as we used to. to, I mean, in New York, in the beginning, it was always the same group of like seven people, all, all our friends at the shows. So we felt like every show we needed to come up with new stuff. And that sort of just set us on this cycle of like, 
always wanting to bring new stuff to the to the table and then the shows got it felt like there was more and more people at the shows at a certain time that kind of felt like they just wanted to hear this song or that song and our our way of kind of throwing a bone to those people was kind of going back to old songs and trying to change them into something that might fit with the newer stuff so that was kind of our way of having our cake and eating it too but uh i i can't say if it's like trickier than the normal way or not because it's sort of the only way we've ever done things so um it feels really natural to us to do it this way do you like playing older songs that that have evolved or do you prefer to kind of focus on the new stuff I, I like playing the new stuff. Uh, if it, if I had my druthers, we'd only play new songs all the time. But um, it's a it's an ongoing conversation in the group. It's it's an interesting thought, if you, especially if you look at those those kind of legacy artists. I don't know if that's the right way to say, it, but bands like the Rolling Stones and all these big names that that whose tours are pre pretty much your greatest hits kind of kind of efforts. Uh -huh. uh, what, what are your thoughts on kind of where music is going and the business side of it, where, where a lot of it seems to be, at least from my perspective, seems to be uh, catering to, to, to the crowd where some artists kind of uh, reject that idea and prefer to make art uh, that they themselves are interested in. Yeah. It kind of feels like we're, uh, approaching a crossroads with the music business. I feel like there's, there's going to be some sort of a big change. I don't know what it's going to change into. I just have this sense that the way things have been for a long time, it's not going to be like that anymore. Mm -hmm. um, again, I, it's hard for me to predict where it's going to go. I just sort of feel pretty confident that we're not going to just kind of keep going the way that we're going. Um, hopefully for the best. But uh, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, final question then. When in the process did the title time skips uh, pop into the ether? Was, there, was that very early on or uh, near the end? It was maybe the last decision. Okay. Um, yeah, titles are tricky. Um, one, one of the more difficult things Uh for us to decide. I, I suppose there's been a handful of times where somebody suggested something and it was pretty immediate. Everybody was on board, but typically uh, we have kind of a handful of titles and it's this sort of like boxing match of who's going to win. Not personally, but in terms mm -hmm. of the titles themselves, which title is going to win. Um, I, I find that I need to sit with the title for a long time. Um, because my feelings on it will change a lot. I might feel great about it one month and then the next month feel like it's really corny. Um, so I like to have a lot of time with that, with, with title decisions, but part of it is me trying to, and I, I'm sure I can speak for the other guys, like trying to um, make sure that the title represents the music uh, in some sort of um true way um and often that's difficult because there'll be su such variety in the songs and kind of what they mean to you so finding the right title that really kind of encapsulates that can be really really complicated 
Um, but we'd had a lot of conversations about music and time and the dynamic between those two things. So um, it, it made a lot of sense eventually. One more thought then, because you alluded to something interesting, which is, uh, well, you mentioned that the initial process for this album started in 2018. Um, and these songs have been with you for a while. Is, is it, how do you stay attached to these songs over, a, let's say, three to four year per period? Um, is, is, that a, is that just the business and the way things go? Or is it, do you really have to make some, some uh, effort to stay, stay with these songs? It takes effort. Three years, I think, is too long. Um, my my approach was really just not to like listen to the as soon as we were done i just couldn't it's not that i didn't like it but i just felt like to respect the songs i shouldn't sure. listen to them because i might kind of start losing objectivity you know um but yeah i, I feel like the pandemic kind of um made it too long if it wasn't for that i'm sure we would have moved on probably to something we would have recorded the songs earlier and the, the whole cycle would have been a bit quicker but uh yeah three years is too long well very glad that uh the album is finally here then and i wish you all the best uh with the record uh, with the live shows coming up hopefully everything goes well and then the world uh, yeah. opens up a little bit yeah um and the best with your your hand i, I hope you recover soon yeah, doctor says uh, it'll be totally normal in a couple of weeks. Although he said I won't, he said I won't because I, I cut the nerve. Mm. So he had to repair the nerve. And he said, like, I won't have feeling in it for maybe six to eight months. Okay. But he's like, you'll be able to use it just fine. But it, you just might feel a little funky for a while. Yeah, um, might, might need some getting used to when you're playing uh, anything. Yeah, I'm sort of curious, especially drums, to see kind of how it feels i've already been playing kind of caveman style but um mm -hmm. I, th i think it'll be fine i'm not too concerned about it but thank you for your time today man i appreciate no, th it thank you yeah. so much and uh yeah all, uh, as i said all best